The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You are called to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Today is the second Sunday after the Epiphany. And the season of Epiphany is a very important one. And we have to think about it and understand it 
in the whole arc of Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. In Advent, we look with anticipation toward the coming of Christ. During the 12 days of Christmas, we rejoice in the miracle of the incarnation, God coming to be with us in the flesh. And during this Epiphany season, we reflect on the meaning of Jesus' life and vocation from different perspectives. So anticipation during Advent, rejoicing during Christmas, and reflection during the Epiphany season. The central image of this time is light. We think about the star that drew the wise men to Jesus, and we think about our understanding of Jesus as the light of the world. In today's reading from Isaiah, we hear what is often referred to as one of the servant songs of Isaiah. It was written during a time of exile for the people of Israel. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. He made me a polished arrow. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. The servant is called by God to bring God's word and to restore his people and make Israel a light to the nations. Later, Christian tradition heard these poetic words foreshadowing Jesus, who not only brought God's word, but was the very embodiment of God's word. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And today, on this Martin Luther King weekend, we see and we hear the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life reflected in the witness of Isaiah, for he was surely called by God to bring the people a prophetic word. Like the servant in Isaiah, God gave the Reverend Dr. King a mouth like a sharp sword and made his life a polished arrow that pierced the very heart of our nation. He used his God-given gifts to call white Americans to repentance. He worked for the recognition of the dignity and full personhood of black Americans. And he stretched our collective imagination to help us to be able to envision unity and restoration for all God's people, God's beloved community. Like the servant in Isaiah called to a mission, MLK often felt that he was unworthy and not up to the task that God had called him to. And like the servant, he also knew that God had laid upon him this mission and that somehow it would be accomplished one day. In the biblical witness, prophets always feel unworthy, but they rely on God's strength to do what God is calling them to do on behalf of the people they are called to serve. Prophets don't usually start out knowing their vocation. It's revealed to them in a very specific context and a particular moment in time. And they sometimes realize in retrospect that God has been preparing them for just such a moment. MLK was a reluctant prophet at first. 
He had just become the pastor of the Dexter Street Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama in 1954, just one year before Rosa Parks was arrested in December of 1955. He was only 26 years old and had just completed a PhD in systematic theology at Boston University. And he had dreamed that one day he would become a professor. After the arrest of Rosa Parks in December of 1955, though, and the ensuing Montgomery bus boycott in response to her arrest, his life changed forever. In an excellent article in The New Yorker from April 4, 2018, writer Louis Menand reflects on MLK's initial decision to speak at the rally that began the Montgomery bus boycott and his subsequent involvement in what would become the civil rights movement. MLK was unsure at first. He was unsure, believe it or not, that the boycott was the ethical Christian response to the arrest. And he went through a lot of reasoning and soul searching and no doubt prayer before he agreed to lead it. He had to be certain within himself why he was doing what he was doing, and that it was of God. He was concerned that it might be unethical to shut down the bus line because he would deprive people who depended on the bus to get around and to make their livings, and that he would put drivers out of work. He also worried that it might be unchristian because the boycott might be interpreted as revenge for Rosa Parks' arrest, and revenge is absolutely antithetical to Christianity. And as he was pondering these things, he went ahead and allowed the group organizing the boycott to meet in his church's basement. And the group decided, unbeknownst to him, that he was exactly the right person, the person they needed to speak at the rally. They asked him to give a speech because they knew that he was a wonderful leader and had an amazing God-given gift of oratory. This reluctant prophet was catapulted onto the national stage that night, and the rest, as we know, is history. And MLK later had this to say about his decision to speak that night. I came to see that what we were really doing was withdrawing our cooperation from an evil system rather than withdrawing our support from the bus company. The bus company, being an external expression of that system, would naturally suffer. But the basic aim was to refuse to cooperate with evil. He communicated this reasoning in his speech that night. He told the crowd, we are not wrong for what we are doing. If we are wrong, the Supreme Court of this nation is wrong. If we are wrong, the Constitution of the United States is wrong. If we are wrong, God Almighty is wrong. If we are wrong, Jesus of Nazareth was merely a utopian dreamer that never came down to earth. If we are wrong, justice is a lie. 
If we are wrong, love has no meaning. And we are determined here in Montgomery to work and fight until justice runs down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. MLK did not seek the path that he was on, but God, through other people, sought him out to lead God's people out of exile and to restoration and unity. That boycott speech was the beginning of 12 years of blood, sweat, and tears for him and for many others. He had no idea where God would take him once he opened up to this call. MLK did not wake up one day and say, I want to lead the civil rights movement. He thought of himself first and foremost as a pastor, a preacher, and a theologian. And he was certainly all those things. His father and his grandfather before him were preachers, and they were steeped in the black church tradition, a tradition firmly rooted in the Old Testament narrative of exile and return and trust in God's provision. This morning, we give thanks for MLK's life and witness, and we are reminded that we are also called to live out a life of Christian service in this world. We are reminded how very far we have to go, and we know that God is with us as we hope for a better future. We are reminded of how important it is to be certain deep within ourselves of why we take the stands that we take as Christians. And we are reminded that we go forward in hope, trusting that God will lead us as individuals and as people in community, because we know that the arc of history truly does bend toward justice.